Hey everybody, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madiv's Getting to Know Podcast. Today I'm joined by a longtime Madiv finance leader, but newly minted chief financial officer, Mr. Greg Weitzel. Greg, thanks for joining us today on the Getting to Know Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. We're excited to have you, Greg. So as we record this, which there's usually a little bit of delay before our listening audience gets access to it. But as we record this, we're what, about 60 days into your tenure in the new gig? Yeah, that's about right. 60 days in. So what what would you say is most similar to what you expected it to be in this role? Uh, how much I have to, to learn in the role, um, which is you know great, great opportunity, but um, that's played out very similar to what I had expected. Have there been any any elements of the new role that you would classify as kind of a surprise or or just not something that you expected? I think there's elements for sure. Just I guess intricacies of of you know talking with investors, definitely on the uh, the tax side and working working with that group. A lot of what I uh, just didn't even know I didn't know. Fair enough. Now that all being said, you bring a ton of FP&A and operational finance background, both pre-MADIV and here at MADIV as well. Are you finding that's really helpful in this new role? I do think that part has been been helpful and uh, has been probably one of the most comforting areas. Again, you tend to always gravitate back more toward your, your comfort zones. And since that is an area that needs a lot of focus right now as we're um, executing with the integration, it is a good place to be able to spend a lot of time. For sure. Certainly something that we, we can we can take advantage of as an organization more broadly. Greg, if we go back to the early days, was, was this the end game for you? Was it your dream to be a public company CFO? It's a good question. Um, I don't know that it was ever to be a public company CFO real early days. You know, from the time I changed my major in college from math, so I always liked numbers a lot, but uh, you know, quickly got into parts of math that didn't I, I didn't enjoy and wasn't nearly as good at. And I kind of switched into business. At that point, the the finance side was was always what I was very interested in, whether it was cost accounting finance, managerial finance. So I've always always had an interest there uh, since since switching to that in college. But yeah, the, the opportunity to, to be a public company CFO is probably beyond what, you know, what I had thought for many years. Well, we're glad to have you in that role. If we go back to those early days, Greg, can you can you talk the listening audience through kind of the, the early part of your life where you grew up what the family situation was all that stuff? Sure. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Ohio. All my years from birth through through college were there. Most of that in central Ohio, uh, and then I you know moved to uh, Miami of Ohio, which is more southwest Ohio for for college. Pretty large family. My immediate family was just three, but um, the extended family. My my mom was one of nine. My wife is is uh, is is one of eight. So large, always had large family gatherings, both pre-marriage and now being married. How did you move south? How did that come about? So the, uh, the job offer I had, actually interestingly enough, with uh, Georgia Pacific, right after graduating college, they had kind of two, two offers. One was in a corporate role in Atlanta, 
and one was in a uh, manufacturing environment in a small town in, in Florida. And you know, probably two very different experiences, but you know, sometimes I guess serendipity just kind of plays a role. Um, and when they asked what I'd be more interested in, uh, we were going through what was probably the worst winter Central Ohio had, had ever had back in uh, the winter of 93, 94. And I just wanted to get as far south as I possibly could. So I took the position in the, um, in the manufacturing small town in Florida. So that's really what brought me south. And it was the best experience because that is really where, and I spent seven years there. It was a nice large site with you know, some opportunities for, for advancement and just a terrific mill manager who really valued finance and uh, just a, a great all around experience. I believe that were probably some of the best like business formative years I could have possibly had. And it really was just you know, all driven by Hey, where the warmer weather was going to be. So seven years, I think you said, in Florida with GP. And then, as I understand it, having never been part of the organization, but all roads eventually, at, le- at least at that time, would lead back to the greater Atlanta area. Is that right? That's right. They had uh, there, there was a merger that just took place. Georgia Pacific, well, it wasn't really a merger. Georgia Pacific had acquired Fort James, which had recently merged, and that made uh, made the division that I was in, consumer products, much, much larger. The company they acquired was actually bigger than that base part of business for Georgia Pacific, but it was still based out of Atlanta. So it provided a lot of opportunity to move up and, and get some different experiences. So I did move in 2000, 2001, moved up to Atlanta and actually left finance at that point into a supply chain role, supply planning, production planning. So where in there, because you mentioned a wife, uh, where in there did you meet your wife and get married and start the family? I met my wife, Nancy. Uh, I was down in Florida already, had been there for a year and a half or so, and was up visiting friends up in Cleveland and while I was up there and celebrating my birthday, it was a birthday weekend, ran into my wife who was also celebrating her birthday up there as well. So we're just a, a day apart and um, met, met her up there, carried on a you know long distance relationship for a number of months. And then eventually she moved down to Florida and been together ever since. That's great. That's great. So how many kids are in the family? We have four children, two boys, two girls, and the house is emptying out quickly. We have two that have already been out in college. One's already graduated from college. We have our daughter, Mary-Kate, who's just graduating her senior year, just finished her senior year. So she's about to, to head out as well. And then our youngest, who is uh, just getting ready to be a freshman. So, How is your freshman feeling about all the attention that go from being a family of six down to a family of just her with mom and dad? I think she's probably has some mixed emotions on that. She definitely loves it when, uh, when her brothers come back and we have the whole family together. But I think she also likes being kind of the, the, the primary child at this point and being able to get a lot more of our attention than what we've had in the, in the past. Although probably wants to do different things than when she couldn't get as much of our attention. But um, overall, I think she's I think she's going to be OK. It's good. So your span is what? Almost nine, 10 years between top and, and bottom. 
Yeah, probably about eight years between between our oldest and our youngest. Got it. And the oldest is out of what, Georgia Tech and now working? Yeah, working in, in Memphis. Tennessee is stealing all of our kids. Our, yeah, our oldest is in Memphis and like you said, out of Georgia Tech. And then uh, our second oldest is getting ready to start his senior year at University of Tennessee. And then our daughter, who we never thought would ever want to go to the same place as her brother, um, is actually going to be going to University of Tennessee as well. Wow. They are stealing the Weitzel children. Yes. What do you guys do for fun uh, as a family? I guess that's probably changed over the years, too. And well, when we say what we like to do, I guess what I like to do is I like getting out and going on hikes and things like that, which when they were younger, they were very amenable to. Um, as they started to get older, that was less, less what they really wanted to be doing. Going to, I think, amusement parks, we all really enjoy that. Catching different sporting events, just really anything, anything outdoors especially, is probably top thing to do together as family. For those of you in the listening audience who've been to the Alpharetta headquarters, you may have noticed Greg has a very recognizable pickup truck because it's got a big rack in the back designed to carry what exactly greg when i purchased it it was designed to carry our kayaks but i think i've probably used it maybe five times ever for the kayaks it's uh coming coming to use more just in terms of moving furniture around uh some of those some of those trips up to get the kids up to college but yeah not not exactly what i'd planned when uh when i purchased it I, I was curious about that because um, I was moving my eldest child the, the the last week or so and saw a couple different trucks heading down the road with what appears to be the same kind of setup as you have, but moving stuff. And so I was curious if that was the same same kind of setup or just looked that way to the untrained eye. That is it. Yeah, not, not as exciting as uh, I'd like it to be. In fact, just used it yesterday to... Uh, move a big bookcase out of out of my wife's classroom. Greg, do you remember the first concert you went to with Nancy? Ah, uh, that is a good question. Uh, we we haven't done a whole lot of concerts together. I think it was in Jacksonville and it was a Randy Travis, outdoor Randy Travis concert. Very nice. That's like probably before country became so mainstream, right? I guess it depends who you talk to, yeah. All right, maybe in central Ohio is a little more mainstream than I realized. That's right. Greg, going back to Madiv, what is it about the deal, you know, having been involved early in diligence, what is it that you were most excited about? I think the uh, the scale is what really excited me. Always the chance to to see something new too. There were new technologies that, you know, as uh, coming from the legacy Nina side that had never had any exposure to, um, you know, in our protective solutions business and the healthcare business that were just so different. I was really looking forward, I guess, personally to getting to know those businesses. I was, uh, I was excited just, you know, on the, on the people side, being able to expand you know expand the overall teams and the interaction there that's always exciting there were some other things from a scale standpoint that were that were interesting on in the world of you know if you're not growing 
you become more vulnerable for some things that you don't necessarily you know want to do so that that scale of um of bringing the companies together and you know becoming a, a company closer to three billion dollars of sales and you know 400 million dollars of ebitda gave us some from a financial perspective some options that that we wouldn't have had 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 we not had the merger as well yeah for sure for sure as we've come together, as you've gotten a chance to see under the hood, if you had a magic wand, my guess is getting access to some kind of integrated systems and data would be high on your on your list. Am I wrong about that? You are absolutely right. That has been the most painful part of, of, of the integration um, and of the companies coming together is just trying to get good comprehensive views of, of data it's in it's in so many different systems and so many different places it's it's that's probably the hardest part is you get questions that are really good questions or you could even ask questions that you know maybe are good questions and the ability to kind of get to an answer is just so much more difficult than than what anybody wants. And then, so then knowing that it's a lot of work to get to those answers, it, I think it, then it sometimes even limits the questions you ask because it puts such a strain on, you know, others in the organization. So by far that has been the biggest pain point And, you know, one of the biggest opportunities then probably over the next year or so to really help to streamline that, that, that data flow so that we can actually answer questions from a, you know, from a full business unit, non-legacy perspective. Um, yeah, really high on the list. Yeah. Do you have any observations on the legacy companies kind of from a DNA standpoint or um, just, just a wiring standpoint? I mean, my, my observation is we're a lot more similar than than dissimilar. Um, has that been your experience in, in finance or the other areas that you've you you've, you've interacted with most yeah I think that's exactly the case there's the the cultures really do you know line up well you know, you know I don't know how much of that is because hey both companies were spin-offs from you know Kimberly Clark years ago you know the fact that that was what probably 20 and 30 years ago makes me think well a lot of the people have probably all turned turned over since then but maybe there was some baseline culture that was already established because of that, you know, some of it is, hey, both both companies, although we have global presence, the corporate headquarters at least is is in you know in the South, in Atlanta, actually in Alpharetta. So you know maybe if if it was a California-based company and a Georgia-based company, there would have been a little bit more of a, a culture clash. But the it really does seem like the the company cultures have lined up about as well as you could have could have hoped for yeah yeah that's my my observation as well and luckily right because what you said there's i mean there's when you you come together like we've come together there's a lot of stuff that's just more manual you just kind of have to roll up your sleeves and get some stuff done and you know luckily i think we 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 do have that advantage where i think both sides bring that fighting spirit to get to that point to get us uh the information that we need during this interim period during during transition yeah that, that's right i think if you said hey you have a choice between your your data being difficult to get to and lining up 
or your culture is not lining up, I'd definitely take the data not lining up because we can we can work through that a lot easier. Absolutely. You feel good about that journey being, you said something like a year or maybe 18 months. You, you, you feel like that's a realistic journey for that? Although there might be some people, if they listen to this, that would have a different opinion on it. But there's there's some parts that will take longer than that. But in general, I think a year from now, it'll look, it'll look, it will be in a way better position than, than what we are today. And then it, it is going to be a, it'll be a journey. There'll be, there'll be some parts to, that, that will take longer than that. What's been your experience with the, with the general managers and the presidents in the early days? You feel like there's, there's good partnership between that body of folks that, that are running the P&Ls and the finance organization? Yeah, I think I think there's a real good partnership there. Talk about that a lot in, in in finance. It's like in terms of like what you're you know what you're directly able to influence through the decisions you you make. It's like we're not we're not making a lot of decisions to you know spend money more money here or there. We're not writing you know, large POs or anything like that. But the way that we can influence all the individuals who are making those decisions, whether they're the BU presidents, whether they're, you know, um, centrally led operations and the sites, whether it's the supply chain group, I think our ability to be effective is really through those partnerships there. And I think in all cases, we've got a we've got a really good foundation for partnership between finance and 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 the uh, the other leaders of the organization. Greg, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those right now. The first is what can at all times of year be found in the Weitzel family refrigerator? I would say it's not so exciting, but probably milk. We are uh, pretty, other than my wife, we're a pretty big milk drinking family. The consumption's gone down a little bit since the boys have been been out of the house. But at any given time, I'd say you could find uh, uh, a couple gallons of milk in the fridge. And that's real old school milk because we get a lot of our our guests who say that, but it's really almond milk or oat milk or soy milk, something like that. This is, this is the real thing. Yeah. It's my, my, maybe a little wimpy. It's not whole milk. It's 1% milk, but it is, it is true cow milk. All right. Gotcha. Good to know. Second question for you, Greg, amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? I would say probably kind of, setting super goals and maybe this is even more from my family than than folks at work but just kind of getting goals out there and they're not always goals that maybe make a lot of sense but just like where I kind of get my mind on something that I that I want to do and then um and then really going after that so just as an example during covid you you mentioned the runner thing earlier um during COVID, when we were just cooped up and everything, I just started running and walking a, a lot, getting outside. And I kind of started this thing where I was like going to run all of the neighborhoods kind of around me. And then it expanded and expanded. And I finally printed out all these different maps off of Google Maps because you can't actually like buy a map anywhere, at least that I can find anymore that's remotely current. 
So I printed out like 45 pages of maps and glued them onto a big um, giant piece of cardboard and then did like a five mile radius. So I guess a 10 mile diameter and then kind of made it my goal. Actually, I wanted to run every single surface street in in that um, in that circle. So like I said, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But and then I got to the point where I was like, I think I could actually get it done in a year. So I started in middle of March and I ended it in middle of March of 21. But then it started requiring like some 13 mile runs and things like that, which I had never even approached before in my uh, in my life. So I got it all done in exactly 365 days. And it ended up being, I think, 1530 miles to uh, do this little <laughs> five mile radius. So some things like that, probably what at least for my family that and, and Nancy, my, my wife will always give me a when I, when I tell her about it, she always gives me a big kind of big, you know, loser sign on the forehead to let me know how much she supports me. <laughs> what was the more enjoyable part of this for you? The actual running or the math equation associated with laying all of this out? It fit like so many different things for me. It was just the kind of getting out and exploring. It was the, there was some math behind it in terms of figuring out, hey, can I actually even get this done? It was almost like a little bit of a puzzle element because I would like map my run and I would go back and actually like kind of trace it out on the uh, on, on the map. It sounds a lot like one of my children who increasingly seems like she can't be my real child because that, that is the kind of thing that she would she would really throw herself at that um, I would I would I would not be able to um, either figure out nor probably commit to the run associated with it either. Sadly. Uh, last question for you, Greg. What would you say you are most looking forward to right this very moment? It's on a personal front. So I've lived, um, I've lived in Snellville, Georgia for the past 22 years. And I just mentioned with now with our third child getting ready to graduate and be out of the house, we're at a point now with our youngest just getting ready to go into high school. We can actually it's a good time to make a move. So after having done a one hour commute each way for many, many, many years, we are actually getting ready to, to move here in about three weeks. And my commute, it's only 0.7 miles from our where the new office is going to be. So I cannot wait to pull that commute out of my, uh, out of my life. And that's right around the corner. That's a life changer. And with, with all that added time, who needs integrated systems and data? You're going to just have time to run spreadsheets manually, maybe. That, that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the byproducts. Well, Greg, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us on the, the Getting to Know podcast. I, I can certainly speak for myself and my team and those with whom I'm closest and, and tell you that we're thrilled to have you in this role. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Yep. Enjoyed the time. For those of you in the listening audience, I hope you enjoyed getting to know our new CFO, Greg Weitzel, a little bit more. And we'll talk to you again here real soon. 